0: You're listening to a sermon from the Spring Midtown Church in Phoenix, Arizona. If you'd like to learn more about the Spring and its ministry, please visit thespringmidtown.org or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. So we've started this new series on spiritual conversations. And a spiritual conversation is any conversation where somebody ends up talking about something that's yeah, spiritual, something like hope, or anxiety, or despair, or suffering, or pain, or meaning, or purpose, or truth, or beauty, or yoga, or meditation, or astrology, or well, really, their spiritual beliefs or their faith, their religious background, are actually quite a few things. And to be honest, most conversations are, to one degree or another, spiritual conversations. And it's our hope in this series to give you, you know, a better set of ears, to listen for those moments where you're in a conversation that could go deeper, and also to equip you, not just in the sermons, but also in some of our community groups and some of the curriculum we've been writing and some of the things we've put out there for you, to equip you to feel confident in asking questions, in getting a better sense of what this other person believes, why they believe what they believe, even being willing to, to push back and ask clarifying questions. I don't get that. That doesn't make sense to me. And also, at the same time, to feel comfortable talking about what it is that you believe, what it is that we believe about Jesus, why Jesus is so important to us. In the end, hoping that really our understanding of the word evangelism might broaden out from sales pitch to being a way of talking about why Jesus is good news in our lives, why he's good news for the whole world. And so today what we're gonna be talking about a little bit is uh, sometimes called incarnational ministry, sometimes called a ministry of presence, sometimes it's called uh, relational ministry. But the basic idea is this, there are people in your life already who are basically your mission field. People in your life already that God has kind of put in your life and their ministry opportunities for you. And so we're gonna focus on three words today that I think will be really helpful. Initiate, invite, don't give up. Just suppose that's actually that's more than three words. There's three ideas. There's more like five words that Initiate, <laughs> invite, don't give up. Turn with me to John chapter one. We're going to be at verse 43. John 1, starting at verse 43 is where we're going to be today. The words will not be behind me. So if you got a Bible or you got a phone, it's a good idea to open it up. You want to be in the habit of learning how to use these things. Let me know, by the way, if you don't have a Bible. We'd love to get you one. John 1, starting at verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and the prophets also wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As... St. Francis of Assisi once said to Brother Dominic on the road to Damascus. Hi. Now, this is a quote that may not strike you as profound, because usually we think of spiritual people who have spiritual conversations as really profound people who talk about really profound things in really profound ways. They say the sorts of things that we would never come up with, and they say them in the sorts of ways that just seem amazing, like somebody should write that kind of stuff down. And the word hi doesn't strike us as particularly important or profound, which is wrong, because that word is extremely important. That word and words like it are extraordinarily profound because they initiate. They begin conversations. They begin relationships. Hi. How you doing? What's up? What's cracking? What's popping? Yo. Hey. What's your name? I'm Luke. We haven't met before. It's nice to meet you. Good morning. How can I help you today? Hey, I've seen you around. Tell me more about your story. I would bet there is some version of that that has begun every major relationship in your life. The people you are married to, the people you are best friends with. All of the people that you care about, at some point or another, they began with something like, Hi. It's a very important word. Turn to somebody next to you and say, Hi. 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 Turn to somebody else next to you and say, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Thank you. Now, these are very important words, and you have just practiced beginning a spiritual conversation. You have just gotten better just now at having spiritual conversations, because spiritual conversations begin like any other conversation. If I hadn't stopped you by talking, eventually, you might have learned a whole lot about these people nearby you. I ruined a very good spiritual conversation just now. That's what just happened. Every spiritual conversation has a beginning. Philip, in this story, starts a conversation. It says that he found Nathaniel, And that word is really important. It occurs a lot in our story. It occurs a lot in this part of the Gospel of John. And the reason it occurs a lot is there's a double entendre there. We get a real sense that people who don't know Jesus are lost people. And when they get to know Jesus, they become found people. So when Philip finds Nathanael, we get a sense that there's more going on than he just like figured out where he was. Also, we get a sense that Philip, when he finds Nathanael, this is not the first time he's ever met Nathanael in his life. Nathanael doesn't respond by saying, who are you? It's not like some guy walking down the street and Philip goes, hey, you over there, I don't know if you know this, I just met a guy named Jesus. I don't care, would say the stranger, right? This guy is actually interested in the conversation. It's clear that they have conversations like this. They have a relationship that's already been going on. Spiritual conversations are best initiated in relationships that you already have. They just are. But the truth is, even though you think you're initiating, even though Philip thinks he's initiating in those conversations, most of the time, it actually started long before you. In fact, Philip, even as he's talking to Nathaniel, he says, we have found him. We figured it out. We found the one that everybody's been looking for through all time. All the religious people, the prophets, Moses, all these people who are trying to answer the question, what's the meaning of life? Who is God? What's he really like? We figured it out. We. And the verse right before it, verse 44, we hear about Andrew and Peter. These two guys from his hometown, these people he grew up with. So already there's a relationship chain that's happening where Philip has been found, apparently, by Simon, has been found by Andrew. And this goes all the way back to Jesus in verse 43. That ultimately, the person who does all of the initiating in this conversation is Jesus. Jesus, in verse 43, decides something. He decides he wants to meet Philip. He decides he wants to meet Nathaniel. He decides, actually, all throughout this book, what's going to happen. Because long, long ago, the Father decided to send the Son. Because the Father loves the world, so loves the world, that people like you and me, He said, those people I have decided to die for. He decided to die for you. He decided to die for me. And because he decides to die for us, because he initiates this relationship with us, through us, God initiates other relationships with other people. There are already people out there that Jesus says those people are worth dying for. Some of your best friends, some of your coworkers, some of your relatives, some of your neighbors, people that you know. Jesus says those people are worth dying for. They are extraordinarily valuable. And you know why? Because you like them too. This is the amazing work of God, that God uses people who love other people and says, this is the way I'm gonna reach those people for the gospel. You are going to be a tool in the hand of God, if you're willing, a tool in the hand of God to change other people's lives. That's amazing. It's also intimidating because you think, I don't really know what I'm doing. Don't worry. You're not actually the one who changes lives. You're just someone that God uses to change other people's lives. All you have to do is be willing to initiate, to invite, and not give up. To trust, actually, that God is already at work in this story, that God already wants these people that you are talking to about Jesus. That God is actually on the move. See, Jesus is the one who initiates this conversation because Jesus ultimately wants to save the whole world. The question, of course, is, how we're gonna respond to this work that Jesus is doing. If you want to avoid spiritual conversations, just whenever you get on an airplane, put in the headphones, focus on the book or the tablet in front of you, communicate with all your body language, you are not interested in meeting the people who are going to spend three hours next to you. Communicate as clearly (laughs) as you possibly can to people walking up and down the aisle who are forced to talk to you and actually want to serve you and have some kind of communicative conversation just communicate to those people you're not interested in them at all as people say nothing. Do not initiate. If you want to avoid spiritual conversations with people you work with, people just across the hall in the cubicle, people at the bar that you go to on a regular basis, people at the coffee shop whose names you kind of know at point acquaintance level, do not ever ask them the question, how are you doing, and then genuinely wait for an answer. If you want to avoid a spiritual conversation, when you see your neighbors, don't ever get past and walk inside. Never say any words, ever. That's how you avoid spiritual conversations. If you have old friends and relatives, if you have people that you talk to on a regular basis, you miss them, you wonder what's really going on in their lives, just don't reach out to them. When they say something that seems significant, don't ask another question. Don't learn any more about them, if you want to avoid spiritual conversations. But the truth is that that way of living will also cheat you out of just any conversations, and really deep relationships in general. I would tell you that having spiritual conversations will guarantee deeper relationships. Guaranteed. Because people care about what they believe in. And if they care about you, they care about what you believe in. They really want to hear about what you believe in. It matters to them. Invite people in. Philip walks up to Nathaniel and goes, I found something incredible. Great! I found something incredible. I found the answer to all of the riddles of all religions ever. You would expect somebody to say to people he really cared about, I found something that's incredibly important to invite them into a conversation. About. For a moment, think about how you first heard about Jesus. Not when you got baptized. How did you first hear about Jesus? I'm betting it wasn't on YouTube. I'm betting that you didn't see a billboard on the street. I'm betting that there was no angel who showed up in your room at midnight. Probably, you're thinking of someone, a face or a name, some co-worker who just kept talking to you about Jesus, some student in a class next to you who just wouldn't leave you alone, some girl you dated who broke up with you and then kept talking to you about these things that really mattered to her, some person who kept inviting you to things over and over and over again, some old person at a church you went to, some relative, your father, your mother, your aunt, your uncle, your grandma, your brother, your sister, your cousin, somebody, a best friend, somebody in your life, and probably somebody's, groups of people working together, even though they didn't know they were working together, kept inviting you, kept inviting you, and they kept inviting you to have deeper conversations, kept inviting you to read the Bible with them, kept inviting you to hear more and more and more about Jesus, and you weren't offended. Now, sometimes we think, well, if I talk to people about Jesus, they're going to feel like projects, or like I've got some kind of agenda, or like I'm trying to like check some kind of box in my religious life, or like this is a sales pitch or something like that. And yeah, that would be really offensive. And if you're going to do that, that's a terrible way to have a conversation. It absolutely is. And if you're in this room, I would bet that nobody actually did that to you because you wouldn't want to be here. You wouldn't be that interested in Jesus. Philip talks to Nathaniel, and Nathaniel isn't really interested in what he's talking about. But Nathaniel actually isn't mad at him for talking to him. How do you know if someone does CrossFit? They tell you. They tell you, absolutely. <laughs> How do you know if someone's a vegan? They tell you. They tell you. How do you know if someone has an exciting, multi-level marketing opportunity where you can sell essential oils or j's diet shakes or drinks, any number of things? Don't worry. They will tell you. Right? And, I'm teasing, and I know some of you may be involved in these things. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The truth is, it would be weird if you didn't talk about stuff you were passionate about. That would be strange. It would be very weird if you didn't invite other people in. Yes, sometimes it can feel a little judgmental when the vegans talk to you about why they're a vegan. Yes, sometimes it can feel like a sales pitch when the multi-level marketing thing happens. So that's usually because either someone pushes too hard on a relationship that's really a friendship and turns it into a sales call, or because they start treating someone like they're a friend when they're really not, and you can just sense this agenda. However, most of the time, if you have a real relationship with these people, you're not mad when they tell you they sell essential oils. You're not mad when they tell you, I can't eat meat at your house. You're actually really interested to hear more about them because you care about them and you care about the stuff that they're passionate about. If I walk up to you someday and I say to you, hey, so I found this coffee shop, and listen, you might not, you know what? You might not like coffee. You actually, you may not believe in coffee shops, and I'm just, I'm really sorry that I'm bringing it up, but I just have to say, it was really good, and maybe sometime, if it doesn't bother you, if you come to this coffee shop. That'd be weird. (laughs) That'd just be such a weird way of interacting. Of course I would invite you to this thing, and you may not want to come. And you may not actually like coffee, and there's any number of ways you might react to that, but why wouldn't I invite you to something that I like? The only place where we feel like that's a strange thing to do is Christianity sometimes, is our faith in Jesus sometimes. The truth is, our friends are happy to talk to us about what they believe in. We should be happy to talk to them about what we believe in and invite them into a deeper conversation. Come and see. That's what Philip says. Come and see. Come check it out. Come see for yourself. Come see if the words of Jesus will change your life. Come see if this person is the things that I think that he is. Come see if this group of people, the church, is actually a group of people that is slowly and steadily being changed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Come and see. I was in a conversation this week with someone. This week, she is the barista at a coffee shop I go to. I remember her name most of the time. And we're talking a little bit, and she says, I got a new car. And I go, that's incredible. What kind of car? A Tacoma, black on black. I'm very excited. I'm going to the mountains. It's going to be amazing. I just It's like she's got a brand new life in this vehicle. I go, this sounds incredible. What car were you driving before? I keep asking the next question. That's an invitation to more of a conversation. You don't think of that as an invitation. That's absolutely what it is. What kind of car did you drive before? I've been driving a 93 Corolla. Oof, man, this is an upgrade. Yes, it is. Actually, you know what? I drove that car because if my, my ex, we were married, we were divorced, and he was the responsible choice, and he was in med school, and he was driving a really irresponsible car. Oh, how long were you married? I keep asking the next question. We're a half years. Yeah, it just, it kind of broke. And all of a sudden, we're in a very spiritual conversation. And by the way, I was just trying to buy coffee. And by the way, this started with her talking about the kind of car she's driving. If you're willing to invite people into a deeper conversation, you will learn more about them. And when you learn more about them, some of those things will be significant things. And assuming that you're not put off by that intimacy, assuming that actually they start asking you questions, there's a good chance you're going to get to talk about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Come and see. Come and see, Philip says. Come and see. This is not an argument. This is not your wrong. This is not everything you've ever believed is crap. This is not, hey, come and be a Christian so that I can feel better about myself. This is come and see. Come and check out my community group on Friday. I don't really want to come. Okay. Come and check out this thing that we're doing with the place where my church meets called Hope Women's Center. They serve at-risk women. Nobody's going to talk about Jesus. You just come. You don't, man. I just want to play videos. Come and see. Hey, come and, and meet these people that I know. We're all going to be watching a movie and kind of talking about it later. Notice that we've been creating some of these things that you can invite people to. We're going to just talk about movies. It's just movies. Like, do you want to watch a movie? I can't that night. That actually sounds real fun, but I'd love to come. Hey, we're doing this online trivia night. You can win salamis. Do you want to come? You know, um, actually, hey, we've got this thing on Sunday mornings. If you're ever willing to wake up, maybe I'll buy you breakfast. We can go to church together and you can just tell me what you want. Come and see. There's nothing offensive about being invited to something. There just isn't. Now they may not want to come. They may not be interested. That's a very different thing. Right? Philip walks up to Nathaniel and says, I have found it. The one that the prophets, Moses, everybody's looking for. His name is Jesus. And Philip says, No, you didn't. Ah. <laughs> bull. Bull crap, you found him. No way. That's, that's Nathaniel's response. I love that response. I love the skepticism. I love the cynicism. I love the doubt. I love all of it. Because I would react exactly that way. That is, by the way, just a window into Luke Parker. I would react exactly <laughs> that way if someone said those things to me. No matter how much I love you, no matter how much I care about you, no matter how many times we've had a conversation, I will challenge the thing that you just said. We found him. He's from Nazareth. And Nathaniel says, that is a garbage place for garbage people. No way the Messiah comes from Nazareth. Just straight up, no way. Mm, Nuh-uh. That is how I would react. And by the way, that is actually how I used to react when I was 24 years old. If you walked up to me and said, hey, I would love to talk to you a little bit more about Jesus, I would have laughed at you, then mocked you, then made you feel really dumb. That's what I would have done. I, who am here preaching a sermon... Clearly, people did not give up on me. They kept inviting me to things. That's a really important thing. You have no idea how long it will take. You have no idea how these people will react. But let me tell you this. There were people in my life who watched cop angry, bitter, skeptic, doubter, cynic Luke Parker and said, do you want to come over? And I said, sure. And they said, do you want to have a beer? And I said, absolutely. And they said, do you want to play pool? And I'd say, absolutely. And these people who loved me also loved Jesus. And I'd be in their house each and every week. And we'd talk about Jesus a little bit, and we'd have some pretty intense discussion, and then we'd go back to doing things that we do. They cared about me, and they cared about Jesus. If you care about someone, and you care about Jesus, little by little, they will know that you care about them, and they will know that you care about Jesus if you keep inviting them into your life, if you keep inviting them to have more conversations, if you keep asking the next question, if you keep saying, hey, come and see. Little by little, they're gonna hear more and they're gonna learn more and they're gonna be curious about more. And here's something really important. Remember how I said that the person really initiating all this is Jesus? It's kinda hard to have a conversation with Jesus and not be affected by it. Because Nathaniel, who goes, no way, has a conversation anyway. Still follows Philip. Still comes and sees. Him, has a conversation with Jesus, and the the reaction is intense. I don't look at your Bibles. It goes from there's no way that's a garbage town for garbage people to <laughs> come and see to Jesus talking to Nathaniel. And when Jesus talks to Nathaniel, he goes, "That's a guy who tells it like it is. That's a guy who does not BS. That is a guy in whom there is no receipt." No deceit. And Nathaniel says, do we know each other? Which is fantastic. And Jesus says, you know, I've known you a long time. And immediately Nathaniel goes, oh my God, it's God. Oh my God, your God. It's just, just as intense, profound connection. And we see that he is the kind of person who just tells it like it is. He has immediately been convinced because he's suddenly in the presence of Jesus. Now, we don't really understand the fig tree thing. No one does. By the way, through thousands of years of biblical the scholarship, there are lots of guesses. They get really entertaining at times. We just literally don't know. We don't know if that's like just before you talked to Phil, you were under a fig tree getting some shade. We don't know if that's like when you were seven, there's this secret that happened under a fig tree that only you know about. But something about referencing the fig tree does something and Nathaniel, he goes, this guy knows my whole life story. And he already seemed to know my whole life story, and he already seems to be the one who's been setting up this conversation from the beginning. Like it seemed like it was Philip, but the truth is, it was clearly this guy. This guy who's been initiating, this guy who's been inviting, this guy who just doesn't seem to give up on me. Do not give up on the people in your life who you were inviting to talk to that Jesus. By the way, expect them to react badly sometimes. Sometimes when people like me talk about this, like when you talk about Jesus, there's gonna be a magical connection, and you're never gonna fail. You will fail. Promise you. You will have conversations about Jesus and spirituality, and someone will go, nah. And you'll go, that was like my heart. I was so vulnerable. I was telling you about something that's so precious to me, and you don't care. That is going to happen. I promise you that will happen. I did that to people. I'm telling you it will happen. But if you don't give up, you have no idea how you might be used by God to change people's lives. You have no idea. In fact, I guarantee you that right now, God is already working, already initiating, already inviting, already giving, already not giving up on people in your life. He's using other people and he could use you if only you were willing to do it. If only you were willing to start writing some names down on a God needs to find this person list. This person is lost and I need this person to come to know Jesus. Jesus, I'm just gonna start praying for you. We talked about this last week. Write down a list of three names. If you haven't done it yet, do it now. Write down, I'm serious, write it down right now. And put a little sticky note on your phone so that every night when you go to bed, the first thing you'll see is those names in the morning. Put it on your bathroom mirror if that's the thing that you look at early in the morning. Put it on your steering wheel. Put it at work. Put it somewhere where you will see it every day and pray for those three names every single day. Every single day. There's a guy named George Mueller. In the 19th century, 1800s, this guy is an amazing person, an evangelist, a missionary, does all sorts of amazing things. And he has five names. In 1834, he puts five names on the list and he starts praying for them every day. We have his journals. He literally prays for them every day. Sickness and in health, on land or at sea, no matter what's going on, no matter how busy he is, no matter how insane his life gets, he prays for these people every day. And he doesn't just pray for them. He also talks to them about what he believes, initiates, invites, but he never gives up on these people. 18 months, 18 months later, the first guy comes to know Jesus. Amazing. Keeps praying. Five years after that person, every day, that's six and a half years now, another person comes to know Jesus. Six years after that person, we're at 12 and a half years, praying every single day, talking to these people, inviting them, just never giving up. Another person comes to know Jesus. Thirty-eight years after he starts praying, the other two people still have not become Christians, and he's driving them nuts. He's praying about it all the time, and he literally writes in his journal, "They have not been converted. I still have hope. They will be." Period. Just confidence. He dies fifty-four years after starting to pray for these people, and within the year after that. Both of those people become Christians. Deeply committed Christians. This guy never gave up. Now, if you have people in your life who you know and love, who you desperately want to come to know Jesus, if you initiate, if you invite, if you never give up, I'll tell you, there's an amazing thing that God can do through people like you. An amazing thing that God can do through people like you. You might see your friends and neighbors come into the kingdom. You might see them come to know Jesus. You might see their whole lives changed. And you would know that God used you because you initiated, you invited, you did not give up. Would you pray? Lord Jesus, we pray.